ones who start to mold a new reality closer to the heart closer to the heart blacksmith I don't think you can. It's Amy, the song Amy, by, <laughs> make sure I get this right, Pure Prairie League. I got to tell you something. <laughs> Love that song. Back in my day, back in the day, you know, the day, used to go to this uh, one establishment and they had a foosball table. And if that song came on and a couple others that were you know, part of our, I guess, our psyche got us all fired up to do some foosball. But anyways, <laughs> I became a foosball champion <laughs> without looking for it. <laughs> I guess one of the guys didn't show up, and it was the final. And so this friend of mine comes to me and says, man, you got to, and, and I'm going, well, there's plenty of other people in the place. And all of a sudden he comes to me. And I'm like, what are you, nuts? We won. I couldn't believe it. We won. And I actually <laughs> shot the winning goal. I was just, like, amazed. I'm thinking, okay, everybody, like, you know, bow down. No. <laughs> it was really neat. I did that in a pool tournament one time, too. Guy didn't show up. And my buddy says, hey, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm like a half blah, blah when it comes to pool, you know. Maybe I can, maybe I can't. Come down to me. There sits the eight ball. The cue ball 
is a little more than halfway down the table away from it. The best shot is to the corner pocket. And my buddy comes over to me as I'm looking at the table, and he knew, you know, I'm, I'm like sweating it. Because if they get another shot, the opposing team, it's over. They're real good. But here we are. We got the eight ball shot. My buddy comes over, <laughs> just kind of give me a real calm pep talk, real easy. Just kind of stay focused, he says. It's only a shot. Couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> I just said the cue. I just sent you something to show Preston. Oh. Oh, all right. Um, so anyway, that, that's how I started the show. I got a couple of songs. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I don't know how I first caught on to this guy, but, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> He's a sensation. It's Oliver Anthony. Oliver Anthony. And I got two songs by him. I don't know if I'm going to do two of his or... I'm going to do a Rush a song by Rush, Closer to the Heart. Um, at this point in time, obviously, you can tell I haven't put the uh, show together yet. <laughs> it's Sunday, uh, early morning, about quarter to nine. My time, getting ready for church, and I thought I'd get this off, get this done, because after church, we got to get ready to go to a birthday party and blah, blah, blah. Who knows if I'll get it done, and I don't want to have to rush. So it's um, Oliver Anthony, Rich Men North of Richmond, and the other one is Ain't Got a Dollar. I love, I got, man, I love the way this guy um, sings. I really do. It's amazing. Anyway, welcome to the show. Let's talk. I am Mike. This podcast, this one, is being called Reading Psalms. And the reason I picked it was because, well, I was reading Psalms and, the, and like, working at doing the show, and I'm pulling, you know, scriptures out of Psalms over and over again. As I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know. And it just, <laughs> it's all the 37th chapter of Psalms. I think for one, I think except for one, I do Ezekiel about the watchman on the wall. But other than that, I think the Psalms, 37th chapter, give it a look. Give it a read. Don't just look. Give it a read. It seems to me the scripture says, okay, this is what the unrighteous got and so forth and so on and that sort of thing, and then the righteous. So, and what they got coming. <laughs> You're going to get what's coming to you. <laughs> Anyhow, welcome to the show. Dear Heavenly Father, on this day that you've given us another day, Lord, to see, to hear, to witness, to fellowship, and just give you thanks. Another day, Lord. I pray this day is for your glory, your praise, your honor. I pray about this show, Lord, that it be for your glory, your praise, and your honor. Never forgetting, Father, who you are, and how much you loved us. You sent your only son. Your only begotten son. Your spirit. And he died for us on the cross. 
He died for us, Lord. And all the pain and suffering and all the blood that was shed was out of love. And yet even with all the insults and all the physical injury, as you were dying, Lord, on the cross, being separated for the first time ever from the Father, because you bore our sin, and there can be no sin with the Father. And so alone you, 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 you waited. You waited for your last breath, Lord. And before it came, with all this known and understood about what's been done to you and how you've been tortured, one of your final words, Lord, forgive them, Father. Forgive them. Can you imagine forgiving people that out of sheer hatred demanded you be crucified? Lord, there is no greater love, there is no greater meaning than what you did to reconcile us back to you and the Father. I can never say thank you enough, and I do say thank you, though. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. So, <laughs> yeah, mm, wacky world. Ah, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Let's do a scripture. Let's start with Psalm 37, huh? Verses 1 through 3. It says this. Don't be upset by evildoers or envious of those who do wrong. For soon they will wither like the grass and fade like the green in the fields. Trust in Adonai and do good. It's so, so amazing. He says, don't be upset by evildoers. Boy, <laughs> that's a toughie. That's a toughie. And don't be envious who do, who do wrong. So we watch them sin over and over again. We watch them partake in immoral and, you know, just totally valueless activities. And they seem to be prospering. It seems that they have what they would want, what they can get. But God tells us, <laughs> soon they will wither like the grass and fade like the green in the fields. Sometimes we think to ourselves, it's not soon enough. But always remember something. Judgment is the Lord's. As well as the scripture, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So we'll leave it to God. Continue to trust and do good. And now we know we're on the right path. So just for the record, I just read this today. You know what? One of those things, just one of those things, that when you read it, you go, holy cow, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> or that's where that came from. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 22. Oh, I guess I did a couple of... <laughs> Outside Psalms. Anyways, I read this. Eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You ever heard that before? I remember it. Jeez, I don't know how long ago I first heard it. Way long time. Long, long time. It's out of the book of Isaiah. I just thought it was just a, you know, 
just a something that somebody wrote. You know what I'm saying or said, whatever. It's actually out of the Bible. Our first story, um, well, to be honest with you, okay, I'll just do the first story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the first story is just comical if it, if it wasn't real. It would be just a tremendous laugh. <laughs> Surely you jest. And they would say, yes, I do, but not in this case. So those of us who enjoy the comfort of a ceiling fan, you know, moving the air and whatever, so this new green crackdown, here we go. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be illegal eventually real soon here to have one. 30% of small manufacturers are going to go out of business. No hand, no question about it. Probably going to be more because these increased costs that they have to go green. But the energy jar says we'll save $369 million a year. I don't give a rat's ass how much I'm going to save. You have no right to tell me. the. I mean, this is what it boils down to, people. They got no friggin' right to tell us what we can do in these terms. No. No, you want to go green and do what it, then you go right ahead. You want to come out of the closet, you go whatever, come on. But don't freaking shove your garbage down our throats. Don't try to make us feel good about it, because it ain't going to happen, Captain. There's nothing good about this crap, nothing, except to take away our rights as citizens of this country. That's all that comes down to. Because it's part of that green deal that I've talked about so many times. Pounding on it and pounding on it. There's a reason I do that. This is not about saving the environment or Mother Earth for crying out loud. It's about our rights, our choices, our decisions. It's about our families. And our friends and, you know, our fellow citizens. This is how much this guy's a freaking toad. He mocks Trump for his mugshot. It's a different story. Mocks him. He says, oh, he's a handsome guy. Shut the frick up. Shut up. I, I never felt such, I don't know how to describe it, like your insides are just being turned inside out just to look at this individual and so many others, let alone hear the words that come out of their mouths. And I think to myself, where the frick did you go to school? <laughs> I went to a public school, and I sure as heck, for some reason, know a hell of a lot more than you do. Thank the Lord Jesus, because that's why. But, you know, I mean, come on. The funny thing, well, not funny, but, you know, <laughs> up and comings. He and his son are in a lot of trouble. The Burisma prosecutor that got fired. Because as vice president, Trump threatened the Ukraine 
with the loss of funds if they didn't fire this guy? Well, why was this guy so important? Because this guy was going after Hunter and his illegal dealings in this Burisma case. Joe Biden was, you know, shaking in his pants. So what's he do? Uses his power, quote unquote, to make threats and accusations and whatever else. All that's not talked about until, you know, the recent past. But anyways, and all of a sudden, the next next thing we know, this guy's out of a job. Mm-mm, At least they didn't have him killed like Putin did his uh, Wagner general there. It's a definite. That guy is dead. I kind of knew it just based on seeing the aircraft fall from the sky like it did and then crash and, you know, erupt into flames. It's just kind of a no-brainer. If he was on it, that was the question in the beginning. So Mary had a little lamb moving along. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. He followed her to school each day. T'wasn't even in the rule. He made the children laugh and play to have a lamb at school. And then the rules all changed one day, illegal it became to bring the Lamb of God to school or even speak his name. Every day got worse and worse and days turned into years. Instead of hearing children laugh, we heard gunshots and tears. What must we do to stop the crime that's in our schools today? Let's let the lamb come back to school and teach our kids to pray. I was only going to sing it to give you a, like a, put put it, (laughs) remember it back in your brain, but I don't know, I figured I'd sing the whole thing. Now that you heard me sing like that, you don't have to wonder why I'm not a musician. Anyway, (laughs) it's true. 1961, they took the Ten Commandments out of schools, and from that moment on, they just did everything and anything they could to get the Lamb of God and or God and or His Son, Jesus Christ, out of the public's mind. Did a show on that. 80 Pittsburgh cops, that's about 7% of the total force, have been placed on administrative leave after firing their weapons during an hours-long standoff with a heavily armed squatter. Now, I guess they're doing this to make sure they're mentally okay because, take it from somebody who knows, there's a lot of emotions that comes out of, um, you know, firing your weapon at another person with intent to kill and, and finding yourself at certain times in a situation that you didn't ask for. And suddenly here it is thrust upon you, and you got to make some life-changing decisions. Problem is, they're making sure they're in an emotional state of mind that's okay before they can return to work. I just hope, 
I just hope and pray that they don't try to turn this into a, you know, the guy that got killed was a victim. He was a victim of his own desire, of his own way of thinking, of his own way of being. He was a victim of himself and what he believed and stood for. They had issues with him before. And when they went to serve him an eviction notice, <laughs> hello, he wasn't having it. Found this on Facebook. Listen to this. Have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were even born while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? Isn't that key? That's the key. Cha-ching. Right. I mean, the reparations thing and whatnot for slavery comes to mind right away, of course, because the media throws it down our throats. Little food for thought. My son-in-law posted this, and then my wife also shared it on Facebook. It's one of these things where I got to take a <laughs> sip of coffee. Hang on. This mic, folks, I don't think I've ever heard this said as simply or as well. And it's nothing short of class warfare or class war at its best. Listen now. The folks who are getting the free stuff don't like the... It, it's kind of like a parody or a satire maybe in, in certain respects. So just keep that in mind. But listen here. Again, the folks who are getting the free stuff don't like the folks who are paying for the free stuff because the folks who are paying for the free stuff can no longer afford to pay for both the free stuff and their own stuff. You understand? And the folks who are paying for the free stuff, well, they want the free stuff to stop. And these folks who are getting the free stuff want even more free stuff on top of the free stuff that they're already getting. Wow. Isn't that greed? I thought maybe. No? Okay. Hang on. I continue. Now, the people who are forcing the people who pay for the free stuff have told the people who are receiving the free stuff that the people who are paying for the free stuff are being mean and prejudicial and racist. We're Nazis. And they're convinced they have to hate us. You know, we the ones paying for the free stuff. I always learn, you never bite the hand that feeds you. This has gone on for so long. This is me. There's more people getting the free stuff. Listen to this, because this is math, math, basic math. There's more people getting free stuff than paying for the free stuff. Where are they going to make up the difference? Well, you know, just like everything else, they could just throw money at the problem. Hey, how many eggs did you get? My grandson's here. Did you get all those today? He got 3, 6, 9, 12, 12, 13, 14. Hmm? Wait a minute. You got 16 eggs, Preston. What a great job these chickens are doing. Right? All right. Out, Silas. Go on, Silas. He won't 
Jerry goes. Love you, man. Love you, too. He goes and gets the eggs for us every morning or afternoon, whichever. But he was gone yesterday and uh, whatnot. And so we got, well, two days worth of eggs. 16 eggs. We got seven chickens, eight chickens. So we figured out, or they figured out, somebody figured out, put people in the treasury by electing people who promised to give them money from the treasury in exchange for electing them. My dad told me years ago a funny little anecdote. I used to work at the local polling station for the Republican Party. Hence, that's how I got my job with the, you know, with the town. Anyway, it's nepotism, but what are you going to do? So anyway, he says, years ago, Michael, the, uh, the chairman, the local chairman of the, the, like, either the Republican or Democrat committee, they would, they would be at the polling station, not close to the entrance, but they'd be there. And, you know, he says, I remember more than once I was, you know, hey, Al, come here. And I'd go over and I know what's going to happen, he says. He's going to open that trunk and he's going to show me food or whatever it is, <laughs> tons of whiskey and alcohol, you know. I know you're going to make the right choice, Al. Come see me when you're done. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I mean, that's basic politics, right? I promise you this. You know, why not, right? I mean, that's how it works. But these guys are being promised free money. But nobody understands it's not free. Somebody's got to pay for it. It's the same thing, say, like, for instance, I belong to the state retirement system back in New York, okay? Now, when I was 10 years with the town, they stopped taking out, it's called being um, vested. They stopped taking out my contribution to the retirement system. So I, I actually got like about a 5 or $6 raise by that happening. So anyways, that's how it goes. And then, you know, depending on what year you were hired, you were in a... a, a, a Tier, tier level, five tiers. There were four tiers. I was in the fourth tier. So now I've done my 10 years. I can stop paying. People, like, you know, obviously in the first tier, they stopped paying years ago and whatever. And those of us that have been hired since, we're making the contribution that's actually going, you know, whatever part of it to the current retirees. So now I get to that point where they're not taking it out anymore. And the guys that got hired after I did, men and women, they're the ones that are paying. You, you see how it works? So these people figure, all this free stuff, let's go for it. But wait a minute. The guys, the men and women that are working to give you free stuff, and here's the thing. It's not like you have a choice, right? Oh, no, no, no. It's not like, you know, you can say, like, I don't know, some charity. I don't, I'm not going to give to that. that. That's not how this works. They pass laws, tax laws, and so forth, where guess what? Woohoo! You're paying for it. Just like, I don't want to support abortion. But damn it, my taxes pay for it. See, that's what it's like. 
you got to remember one thing. In 2024, I saw this priest. I think he was from, uh, to look at him, like he wasn't a Catholic priest, but I would say he was of uh, maybe the Orthodox Greek Catholics or whatever, or something like over there kind of church and religion. Anyways, he said outright, he says, if you don't make a change in 2024, forget you're done. You're done. There is no other chance. That's, folks, I'm, you know, I, I try not to politic too much, but I can't help but to emphasize how serious 2024 is. Whether it's Trump or DeSantis, whoever it is, I'll be honest with you. I kind of half think, like somebody else I talked to just the other day, if Trump doesn't run or can't run whatever, I'm looking at this Robert Kennedy Jr. guy. I'll be honest with you. He's really got a lot to say. And just like his uncle Jack, John, John Kennedy, who was assassinated, and just like his father before him, Robert Kennedy, who was also assassinated, um, he's got some pretty good Republican ideas. Republican type, I guess you could say. Take a look. I'm passing this on. We got to close the borders. You got to make a stand. This is about God, our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights. That's what it's about. I saw a video yesterday. There's they're literally, they showed the gate has been cut, the wall, quote unquote, professionally, sawed right through the freaking thing and created doors. And they're just literally coming up to that part of the gate, opening the quote unquote door and walking into the country. And it's not like we don't know it because they're, they're, you can see there were repairs made, re-welded all together. And they just come in whenever and brr, cut right out. Personally, I think the idea, look it, before I get a job, right? Nine chances out of ten, I got to go for a drug screening. Mandatory. Just doesn't, it's not just a question, do you do drugs? And I can sit there and go, oh, no. And I'm higher than a freaking kite, right? No, no, no. It includes a urine test. And or maybe even a blood test. We're going to find out what kind of person you are before we give you anything, as in like welfare or something. And personally, I don't think somebody who's a non-citizen should get as much as they do. Give them something to... You know what? Kind of like in the movie The Godfather, the first one, when they were talking about the coming in, you know, the son-in-law was going to be part of the family, and I didn't forget who had said, you know, uh, we'll give him a job doing something, whatever it was, and, and The Godfather said, no, 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 never let him handle our business. <laughs> our business. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's a different lap. So, you know, here we have people that are, you know, coming in, 
all kinds of freebies, all kinds of everything and anything. And I, you know what? I'll be honest with you, folks. I'm retired. <clears throat> and I no longer have to pay taxes. That's just how it works. I didn't make it that way. That's how it is. All right? But that doesn't have any bearing whatsoever on my thoughts and my feelings towards these freebies and things like that and the working man. I'm 110,000% for the working man. That's why they call me. They call me the working man. Rush. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to some scripture. How's that? Well, guess where we are? We're back in Psalm 37. Commit your way to Adonai. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine forth like light, the justice of your cause, like the noonday sun. You know, I just wish, I said this, you know, one of those things where these idiots open their mouths and you go, oh, Lord, like the Jews all did, my people, you know, through the centuries, they're always crying, oh, Lord, when, oh, Lord, how long? That's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm doing the Jew thing, right? That's in my blood, or my spirit, one or the other. Because I would love to see them get their up and comings. I'd like to see it. I really would. But that's kind of a... That, that, that's, that borders on real close to, like, you know, being mean-hearted or something, which, I don't know, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to feel that way towards anybody. But the facts are the facts. Here's something for your mind to ponder. You ready? What is modern propaganda? Now, this come from, uh, I read a story... Uh, put out by Steve Quayle and to John Pilger. He he took it from John Pilger, you know, and he wrote it. For many, modern propaganda is the, or are the lies of a totalitarian state. That's it, in a nutshell. In the 1970s, Lenny Rufenstahl, it's a woman, during an interview used the phrase submissive void. Now, with the research I had done on the um, mass psychosis hypnosis thing, though I did, I've spoken about it a few times, I did an extensive show a couple times about that. So this, you know, okay, I got to look this up because this sounds something like that other thing. All right. Helen Bertha Amelie Reifenstahl, she was a, a German film director. I'm going to do a little background first. So she was a German film director, photographer, and actress, and she is probably best known for producing Nazi propaganda. In the 1930s, she directed the Nazi propaganda films Triumph of the Will and, and in 1935, and Olympia in 1938. So she did these when Nazism was, you know, the Nazi thing was just massive, you know, and ginormous crowds of people 
were all screaming Zieg Heil as they raised their arms up in the salute. These two films got worldwide attention and acclaim. They are widely considered two of the most effective and technically innovative propaganda films ever made. So not in agreement with the message was there, you know, this attention and acclaim, although some might have felt that way. But a lot of it had to do with the technical technicality of the way she produced it and how she showed it. I've seen Triumph of the Will more than once, and it is, in fact, probably the most completely and wisely done propaganda effort I've ever seen. But that's until now. And just like I've always said in so many other shows, they get their, <laughs> they get their game plan from those before them. And those before them got it from those before them and so forth down the line, going backwards. Because it's, it's the same plan. It's just a different generation that's, that's, you know, bringing it to fruition. We like to believe today that there is no such thing as a submissive boy. There's choice, ubiquitous, found everywhere or available. Phones or platforms, they, they, they work almost every thought we have. And then, of course, you got Google from outer space if you need it. And caress, now listen to this part, because this is where I, I decided, when I read this part, I decided, you know what, I'm doing a story about it. Caressed like rosary beads, the precious devices are born heads down, relentlessly monitored and prioritized. Their dominant theme is the self, me, my needs. Her submissive void is today's digital slavery. Caressed like rosary beads. Those of you who are Catholic know what I mean, or were Catholic. Those of you who weren't, when, you know, you would pray the rosary, as it's called, you know, and, you know, you would have the rosary beads in your hand, and for every bead you touch, you say a prayer, you know, that kind of thing, it's that... There's other religions that are similar with this bead thing, you know? And the precious devices, what are they? Well, we're the human race. That's what she's talking about. Not humans. She doesn't mention humans at all. She doesn't mention anything about the humanity of it. No, no, no. We're nothing more than a bunch of rosary beads that are being caressed by the powers that be. That's all we are. And we've actually turned into what they wanted us to, to be. No, not me, but, you know, the, it, what is it? The world right now. Self, me, my needs. Digital slavery. Bada boom. The message of grotesque inequality, social injustice, and war is part of their propaganda. And any liberal democracy can be looked at in the same way. But by any measure of human behavior, what we have now is extremism. A generation ago, 
Dissent and biting satire were allowed in the mainstream. Like I've said before, I remember growing up all kinds of names for Italians and coloreds and uh, Jews, Irish, Polish. And now <laughs> the counterfeits are acceptable and, and a fake moral zeitgeist rules. Zeitgeist, zeitgeist is the defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. I can't help but to wonder what our history would look like to a historian. I guess it all depends on where they are at the time, right, when they write it. We're in a world of shit, everybody. That's where we are. The tales they tell. Oh, my, 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 my. How long their yarn is. Our own government. I'm not saying they've never lied to us before, but this, this, as they say, takes the cake. Our courts, they betrayed us. Our nation betrayed, suffered from the banishment of Christianity to the back of the bus. Our nation adrift in just absolute sewer-level morality as a result of this supposed separation between morality and state. Everybody, listen, if there is no standard of right and wrong, how does one make value judgments? How do you do it? What are you basing it on? What's the standard by which something is judged right and another judged wrong? And, you know, who decides? Like I said earlier, if you're looking at people behaving, you know, <laughs> sinfully, that's what's that's the judgment. That's the one that it's being looked at against. In other words, that's the example. Not the morals and the values I grew up with. Oh, nay, nay. They're long gone. Way gone. Uh-huh. You know, people like me are just like the old timers, trying to hang on to that way of life they once knew. We got to stop kidding ourselves. I Listen, don't be fooled. Now, even though Jesus Christ or Christianity is mentioned in the Declaration or the Constitution, you don't really see it, quote-unquote. But there can be no doubt that the organic roots and purpose of the pilgrims' arrival was the advancement of the Christian faith. No doubt about it. They left Europe under religious persecution. I mean, what other creator could they possibly be referring to in the Constitution? That Constitution, people, protects individual liberties. Every single individual is protected under the Constitution. The... the in, Honestly, the first God-given right mentioned in the Bill of Rights was religion. That's how important they wanted to make sure that those who came after them understood what they were thinking and why. Christianity secures, locks it in, the right of conscience. No other religion in the world does that. None. Zip, zero, none. 
Trust me, folks, I've been down that religious highway several times, peeking in the window as I go along. You know, what are they doing now? When you remove Christianity, individual rights begin to disappear as a more, more and more secular government becomes the lawgiver. And that's what we have now. Oh, you know, false pretenses, they call, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I'm a whatever. Yeah, you're a whatever, that's for damn sure. Let's do another scripture, I feel like it. Psalm 37, yeah, that book of Psalm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Doesn't that Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. And again, he says, but the meek shall inherit the earth. There it is. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Abundance of peace. You see, God's giving of gifts like that, of things, his warehouse, so to speak, is unending. There's no, like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to run low on peace or I'm starting to run low on grace. You know, I mean, that might seem too silly, but that's what, it, that's what I'm, tr I'm trying to make the point that, you know, it's never-ending, unending. Just like his love goes as deep as it, you know, you can't fathom it. You can't fathom it. You know this other verse I got, Psalm 37. I have been young, now I'm old. Yet not once have I seen the righteous abandoned or his descendants begging for bread. All day long he is generous and lends and his descendants are blessed. I remember thinking many times in my life when I heard some of my elders, especially the African-American women, the men would agree with them, but, oh, man, it just seemed like everything and anything they could feel and, and be. Hang on. Kitty cat wants in. Come on, Grace. Right, she says, right. What a good girl, huh? When I start doing video, which I'm getting ready to start producing, so you can watch a video or just listen, uh, either way, well, you'll be able to see Miss Grace. My friend posted this. 3 a.m. thoughts is the where she gets them. But anyway, I don't like to think before I speak. I like to be just as surprised as everyone else about what comes out of my mouth. Isn't that? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, when I was in school, that was my downfall right there. My mouth went in the gear before my brain even woke up. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so Trump holds uh, anywhere from a 40-something percent lead to 50-something percent lead. He's got massive leads. In fact, I forget the numbers now. I thought I wrote them down, but I didn't. So there you go.
bottom line, Democrats have done a fantastic job, listen to this, of making Trump the obvious GOP nominee. And they did that by turning not only his base, they not only turned them into a more solidified group, but when you look at the numbers, folks, those are now including independents and Democrats. From what I've seen and heard, <laughs> the Democrats don't have a biggest base as they thought they did. So they're literally, by their going after Trump the way they are and making these laws and all these other things that are just, you know, evil, they're turning to Trump going, hey, you know, save us. <laughs> He's right now the most popular political figure on earth. I don't think there was ever somebody more popular, ever. He might not even need the campaign. <laughs> I mean, think about it. People of all political stripes are figuring out that what they see, Democrats and some Republicans, what they see them doing to Trump can and will be done to them if Democrats were to succeed in destroying Trump. That's the problem. You see, you got DeSantis and all the DeSantis, all the other ones. That they're members of the club. Always remember it's about membership. Okay? So I don't care what DeSantis tells you about what he's gonna do. DeSantis is only gonna do what they allow him to. He might come in there like a firing arrow, you know, a fire lit arrow, but they'll quell that fire real quick. Real quick, Ronnie. Down, boy. Interesting uh, set of results out of the debate. Didn't even <laughs> hardly register on the viewers' watch list like Trump's interview with, uh... oh, I can't think of the guy's name. Isn't that terrible? <sighs> he, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, he's probably the second most popular guy right now, Tucker Carlson, you know. And it's interesting because Fox News, for pretty much its entirety, has always been like the Republican uh, voice. That started to change just a couple, two, three years ago, I noticed. I noticed that they weren't covering certain stories and they kind of hobnobbed a few. And I'm thinking, haha, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Hey, not to say nothing, but I'd love to get one of those Trump mugs they got out. <laughs> I gotta tell you, with his mug shot on it, that looks awesome. But I'm not paying $25 for a coffee cup. So, anyways, Trump has done another first. That's right. Just when you thought this guy had reached the pinnacle of firsts, he did another one. That's just amazing. He's the first U.S. president in history to get a booking photo on, it, on, on an arrest sheet. Yeah, yeah. When he had to go down there to Georgia, 
Uh-huh. And be arrested. Uh-huh. Trump tweeted his own mugshot. He's the first one in history. First one. A scowling photograph. <laughs> he was officially booked, fingerprinted, and released on $200,000 bail. This is the country we live in. Another Psalm. Psalm 37. Commit your way to Adonai. Trust in him and he will act. He will make your vindication shine forth like light, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Like I said before, I just wish it would happen sooner than later. I'd love to see it, but I'm not going to be mean like that. So I got to get ready to go to church, so I'm going to pause the show. But before I do, I'm going to leave you with this. Hey, mister, would you like a shot with your drink? I'll be back shortly. God bless. So, <clears throat> I suppose we should finish the show. <laughs> it's been hours. Went to church. I went, I went to church, got home, had lunch, then took the kid to a pizza bowling party kind of thing. I actually had a lot of fun. So, I think the last thing I said was, hey, mister, you want a shot with your drink? But unfortunately, folks, for those of you that still enjoy the good old whiskey bottle, this isn't that kind of shot. The devil's favorite doctor, Dr. Fake, <laughs> I call him Dr. Fauci. He's popping up again, that's right. He's helping to roll out Pandemic 2, the sequel. Hey, I wonder if this is going to be a good one or a bad one. Sequels go that way, you know? So anyway, the buffoon in the White House. Let's see what he wants to do now. Well, I think I got something to say about that because we know it's all nothing but a bag of lies. I mean, you got to know that by now. There can't be any other, you know, explanation for it, right? For all the nonsense that went on. And now he's going to ask Congress for funding to develop a new vaccine. Oh, yeah. Hey, guess what? Everybody's going to need to get it because all them vaccines and boosters you got last time ain't worth a dime. And I'll bet this one isn't either. I'll also bet you something else, though, and this is the bad news on top of all the other bad news. It's going to kill people. It's going to kill a lot of people. Can't wait to hear what they have to say about that. So moving right along. The mandates, they're popping back up again. Uh, Kaiser Permanente in California, uh, Upstate Medical Center, Rutgers University, Brown College in Georgia. There you go, folks. You know what I got to say about that? I won't comply. Moving along. Psalms 37. Here we go. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed altogether. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. So he says, mark the blameless man. See who it is. Right? And observe his uprightness. And know for a, for a fact that his future is peace. But the transgressor is not the same. This is where Ezekiel 33 comes in. This is where I went off the standard of Psalms. 
Psalm 37. I had to get a good slug of water there. The watchman and his message. This is what it says. Psalms 30. Uh, no, okay, wait. Take two. Ezekiel 33, verses 33 through... No. All right. Okay, take two. <laughs> Psalms 33, chapter 33, starting at verse 2. Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Aha. Uh -huh. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. The individual is going to be taken away in his sin. But the blood that was shed is going to come upon the watchman. That's not a good thing. The executive chairman, Klaus Schwab, of the author of the great narrative, a sequel, after the Great Reset, this book, I, I read some excerpts from it, it brings together all the different elements of the Davos or Davos vision. That's that meeting they have in Switzerland where they pretty much determine our future, like the Bilderbergs or whatever. The difference is this moves a lot quicker. So the vision now explores how we can shape a constructive common narrative for our future. So they're going to give us what's going to well boil down to is their set of morals and values that we're supposed to agree with and take as our own. See, this is where you draw the line. Remember I talked about the scripture that tells us that we're supposed to honor and pray for the authorities above us and be submissive to them. Well, let me tell you, folks, when you read the Bible and you hear the likes of Paul being martyred, Peter being martyred, all these being martyred except for John, why would that be? I'll tell you why real quick. Because they went against the government. Because they went against the powers that be. They went against the established authority of their day. And why did they do that? Because that authority thought it had enough authority to impede on God's will. And they weren't having it. What, hon? Wait a minute. Hang on, folks. So I, I was interrupted. My wife had some great lips. news. Our niece, Stephanie, had her first baby, a little girl. Oh, what a, and we are looking, we're looking at pictures. Yeah. Kyrie Jade. Nice. Nice. She's looking, look at her. Look, hey, she's what's got that? her eyes open. Hey, what's oh, that? wow. And my daddy kissing me again. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, oh that's, wow. Oh, that's a great shot. I would get that put in a frame. Picture of mom and dad's from. hands coming together, and the baby's foot is in between the middle. I don't know. Well, it might be hers. I don't know. Let's beautiful picture. Let's, let's blow that up for him. For yeah. Them. All right. Thanks, honey. Yes, Preston, just a minute. You got some big old lips. <laughs> but see? Yeah. Your dad's lips. Right, right. Which say forty-eight hours of induced labor? Yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah, you don't get to ease up on it. Well, right. she's been easing up on it for weeks. Oh my God, they're being recorded. What? I thought I hit the pause button, folks. I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> I forgot after I told you about the baby to hit the pause. So now you know. We're very happy, very glad that it's a healthy baby. And of course, just like any other baby, a cute little, you know, toad of a thing. <laughs> so, we can't allow this, and I say this every show and I'll keep saying it till I die. We can't allow them to take this kind of an authority. This is not theirs to have under law. So, somewhere, somewhere along the way, they've assumed a certain authority and power they are not entitled to. Nowhere in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration, anything gives them the power and the right to do this. But because there's a bunch of frickin' lazy buffoonic sheeps that live in this country and have allowed themselves to be overtaken by this vile group of people. And now they're suffering. Oh, what's going on? How come this is so bad? Thanks for waking up. What do you think? What do you think? You know, every so often I bring uh, a little bit of political satire, a lot of political satire, insults by the many, and I don't care. A lot of people don't want to know what the truth is because it scares them, and I understand that. But the other reason they don't like the truth because it means change. That's right. Change. Here's a little something your entertainment purposes only, and I quote. This is from the movie... A Few Good Men when Jack Nicholson was on the stand and Tom Cruise got them all worked up and riled up and he finally spit it out. And this is what he had to say. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. 
I would rather you just said thank you and went on your merry way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand the post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. <laughs> What's that? There you go, bottom line. Wife gives it, you know, the wife's are always right. Nobody's entitled to anything. I love the last part of that, that whole, I love that whole thing. That is by far, <laughs> I could watch that scene a million times. But I think that says it, right? Pick up your freaking weapon and stand your post. Or go home, or whatever. Go on your merry way and have your, you know, your parties and so forth and so on. You know, <laughs> you know, we have some things coming close to us and we're not going to have a second chance. There's not going to be a go-around, a do-over. No, no. This is for everything. This is for everything you own, for everything that you've ever held dear to yourself, family and friends included. This is for your jobs. This is for your food. This is for your water. Just those things alone. What, five things? We have to have them. It's a necessity. And they want to take them away. Well... They'll try to tell you, well, we're not taking it away. If you just take the mark or you just do this or that, you know, of course, we say what? Bullcocky. Bullcocky. When that pandemic hit, the world leaders then and now actually issued calls for a global governance system. They did. See, with all the bullshit they were screaming about and whatever about the COVID pandemic, and the thing against Trump was gearing up. So you, this is what you got, right? All right. And then what happened? They just slipped it right past you. The former general secretary of the UN, Van Ki-moon, he urged for the united efforts of the G20 nations, of the UN, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank. And listen... So they could secure human rights, solidarity, and justice by stimulating our shared responsibility as global citizens. Let me tell you, folks, if you stand that watch on that wall, I guarantee you, it will be worth every minute you stand there. Because the shit is going to come down. The closer we get to 2024, I'm telling you, it says in Psalms 2, listen to this. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And they say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Oh yeah, oh yeah, come Lord Jesus, come. 
Amen, amen, amen. Bring us through this, Lord. Bring us through this, Father. <clears throat> you have all the power and authority. We humble ourselves before you. And we plead with you, Lord, in our deepest, in our deepest spirit, save us. Comfort us. May we have your peace. Not the peace of the world. Your peace, Lord. And may we rest each and every night, I pray, with a clear conscience, having confessed our sins and prayed for the forgiveness of those who sin against us. After we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for your peace. After all, Lord, let us sleep well, knowing that we are always in our sleep and in our awake. We are always in your eye and held in your hand. Thank you so much, Father God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to end it there. It went a bit over because of the baby thing. You know, the baby thing. <laughs> hey, listen, hope you have a, you know, a good Monday. I hope that uh, your week goes well. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Oh, speaking, went to church. I'm sorry, but I got to do this. Went to church. Pastor talked about uh, when Jesus went up into, uh, into Tyree. Tyree was upper northwest. Upper, yeah, upper northwest on the coast. The people of Tyree and Sidon were, they were Gentiles, okay? They were not Jews at all. And so <clears throat> on two levels, this event was really strange because, oh, wow, you took a chance. Well, it's a lot like the woman who thought that if I could only touch the hem of his robe, or his, you know, garment, I'd be healed. That's the kind of faith we're talking. So he's in, he's in Tyree, and it's really amazing that he's there for the main fact that they're not Jews, so why are you coming here? So he's there, and there's a throng of people, okay? There's a throng of people, and from the distance, he hears a woman cry out, Son of David, she calls out to him. And she petitions him to heal her daughter, who she says is possessed by a devil. And he said this. <laughs> the dogs are not worthy. Being called a dog <laughs> as a people or a person was Probably one of the biggest insults you could ever throw at anybody. He called her a dog. He said he didn't come for the likes of her. He came for his people, the Jews. And she stood in the distance. And so they were separated by the people. But he heard her say that. So did his disciples, because they said, Lord, get rid of her. She's a, you know, whack job. Suddenly, she made it through the crowd. Now, she calls him Lord, and she bows down to worship. And the Lord healed her daughter. 
You know what her argument for that was? She said, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. <laughs> How are you going to argue with that? You know what? Your faith <laughs> that this was going to come out for you has, you know, done this. Yeah. Not because you dress fancy, because the people of that part of the world were pretty much very rich from the trade that came from offshore. That, that's written about in scripture quite a bit. Anyways, and he, her daughter was healed, right? This woman had to learn. And it was interesting, before I say that, that she knew who he was and what he was. He was the son of David, and she called him that. She also called him Lord. And by the time she said that, she was in front of him. And she went down to her knees in front of him. So she went from a, I don't know, just a female in that you know, culture and whatever, crying out to him. She's not a Jew. And, you know, she knew that. She didn't, you know, there was no pretense about her. She knew she wasn't a Jew. But you know what she also knew? She knew about this guy, Jesus. By the time Jesus went into that section, that area, the word about him, I'm sure, had spread far and wide. It does tell us that in the scripture, actually. It's the same thing as like when Moses went into the promised land with the, with the children of Israel, and people that were there, already living there, they says, man, we're not going to muck with you. We heard what your God did to the Egyptians. Just go ahead and pass through, please, and don't bother us. So the word of mouth worked. By the time God got done judging Pharaoh, and the Israelites wandered around and whatever, and then finally, for however long, you know, finally come to the land, and these people are going, man, we heard what your God did. <laughs> Let's you know, be cool, man. <laughs> so sh I think, in retrospect, that even though they're not the same culture as the Jews, by far, I mean, there couldn't be a bigger difference. They're totally pagan and everything else, completely, false gods, the whole nine yards. And she knew where he came from. And she knew who he was. She knew this was the Almighty. Amazing how the dogs know that. Anyway, he, <laughs> he couldn't argue with her. You have a valid argument point, you know, check, checkmate. Your daughter's fine. That, and that's it takes us going from, hey, hey, David, son of David, come here. I got, uh, you know, I really need you to help me with this. So we go from that to Lord, and then we humble ourselves. If you want to see the Lord God jump for joy, that would be the thing. Because as we give praise and honor and we are joyful because we can do that and we know what it means. Well, then he's happy. 
and we rejoice all together. Everybody, the whole heavens, we rejoice and sing a new song. It's a beautiful thing. I wish I had more time. I could talk. <laughs> I've been in a bowling alley full of kids for like the last four hours. Yeah, yeah, I know. Pray for me, right, please. <laughs> anyway, it was fun, and God bless the kids. They had a wonderful time, and that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Uh, the birthday boy, like my grandson, he's autistic, but he's 13. So his thing is, some people with autism love to hug. It's just the way they are. They don't mean anything bad by it or whatever, and others don't. My grandson does not. He is not a hugger. Um, the birthday boy was, and three times he came over to hug me and thank me for coming, and it just, oh, you're so welcome, right? And he went around and did that like to everybody like three, four times. Anyways, I got to go, man. I'm sorry. I know you want me to continue my stories and everything, but I can't. But I'll tell you this much. Come hell or high water, and unless I'm dead, I'll talk to you on Wednesday. How's that? Talk to you then. God bless. Bye.